Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new extended study episode titled Descendants Too Numerous to Count. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. Last week, in our episode, Wrestling with God, Who Can Win?, we found an interesting insight regarding wrestling with God. In the proper mindset and state of heart, it is not sinful to wrestle with God. In fact, commentary made a great comment as to why we should wrestle with God in prayer. The new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible read, In the present state or night of darkness, wrestling in prayer with God must be continued until the perfect state commences when the everlasting day of glory will break. In this episode, we will step into the controversy of Abraham's, Isaac's, and Jacob's promise that their descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the universe or as the grains of sand on the seashore. Some treat this promise more as a prophecy. As such, they also claim that Jesus' return hinges on this promise or prophecy being fulfilled. The current belief is as a prophecy. It has not been fulfilled. To examine this as a prophecy, it will entail examining some, quote, best case, end quote, math and science to come to a reasonable, proper conclusion. Personally, I believe science explains how God did things when he created the universe, our world called Earth, and all therein. Not a perfect or complete explanation, but a reasonable window into that understanding. Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 through 18 reads, The Lord's angel called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, I solemnly swear by my own name, decrees the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be as countless as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the strongholds of their enemies. Because you have obeyed me, all the nations of the earth will pronounce blessings on one another using the name of your descendants. Isaac also receives this promise of numerous descendants. There was a famine in the land, subsequent to the earlier famine that occurred in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, at Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Settle down in the land that I will point out to you. 
Stay in this land. Then I will be with you and will bless you, for I will give all these lands to you and to your descendants, and I will fulfill the solemn promise I made to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants so they will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands. All the nations of the earth will pronounce blessings on one another using the name of your descendants. All this will come to pass because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 6. A quick side note observation. We see here generational blessing, something I have spoken of before. We already know that generational sin unto the third and even the fourth generation. One has to wonder if there is such a thing as generational blessing that would work the same way. Given Jacob is the son of Isaac, Jacob is the third generation or grandson of Abraham through Sarah, then Rebekah. He too received this promise. Now we see Jacob also has already received this promise of numerous descendants and laments it in prayer. But you said, notice past tense, as in already done, said past tense, not present tense, says, but you said, I will certainly make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand on the seashore, too numerous to count. Genesis chapter 32, verse 12. For more on the context of this verse, listen to last week's episode, Wrestling with God. Who can win? We can now see that this promise, blessing, prophecy, was given to at least three men of Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, if a prophecy, how will it be considered fulfilled? For Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob, or all three? Let's read this promise in all three of its forms. Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply your descendants, so that they will be as countless as the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the strongholds of their enemies. Genesis chapter 26, verse 4. I will multiply your descendants so they will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands. All the nations of the earth will pronounce blessings on one another using the name of your descendants. Genesis chapter 32 verse 12. But you said, I will certainly make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand on the seashore, too numerous to count. This promise is found in Genesis chapter 12 before Abram's name is changed to Abraham. It reads, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go out from your country, your relatives, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. 
Then I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but the one who treats you lightly I must curse, and all the families of the earth will bless one another by your name. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The question now is, why do some people consider this a prophecy instead of a promise? If a prophecy, one can see that even today's total earth population may be insufficient to satisfy the countless requirement. After all, earth's population is countable, descendants too numerous to count. Presently, the earth's population is roughly 7.5 billion people and changing as you hear this episode. As a prophecy, the supposed facts to back it do not even include past generations that served God. The first dispensation is not even included in the numbers here. If only using present-day population numbers as a means of satisfying this requirement as a prophecy, the number is far smaller, even though presently in the billions, than the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on a seashore. Or, some people are ignorant of the total number of people that have ever lived on planet Earth. Leastwise, since this promise was given to Abraham, I think you can see the prophecy argument is falling apart already. The prophecy argument also supports a false teaching that Jesus is not coming back in this generation or any other generation for at least another 300 years. This contradicts several end-time prophecies, some of which were spoken by our Lord. The prophecy argument plays right into many false teachings that ignore the signs of the times as Jesus himself has cautioned us to not ignore. However, let's be fair and look at some science and mathematics. Can one really count the stars and or grains of sand on a seashore? The truth might be that the stars and the grains of sand are not entirely countless anymore as scripture here in Genesis said they are. Countless. This is the only way the prophecy argument has any truth and weight to it, only if the stars and grains of sand are no longer countless. Meaning, today, as modern man has developed so many tools and high technology, it is now possible to count the stars and the grains of sand. Okay, let's see if that's true. In the Bible, we read about large armies of 1,000,000. This is one million in modern terms. So we know that in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they would at least count to one million, even though not expressed as such, but as one thousand thousand. We read other phrases like ten thousand thousand. That, in today's expression, is ten million. The largest number in the Bible is expressed in Revelation chapter 9, verse 16, this way, quote, And the number of the armies of the horsemen was twice ten thousand times ten thousand. I heard the number of them. 
end quote. Or 20,000 multiplied by 10,000 for a total of 200 million. Regardless of this large number in the book of Revelation, in Genesis, we are talking about a number so great, it most likely defies expression except by comparative as expressed in the verses we have already read. This certainly rules out using billion to express this number that is actually so big, Genesis renders it as countless. Million and billion are far more modern expressions of these large numbers. This makes it a bit easier to understand the numbers being spoken about. This helps the layperson to better understand the numbers without having to be a mathematician and or scientist. Given also that 200 million is the largest number expressed in the Bible, numbers any larger would require some comparative such as the stars or the grains of sand on a seashore. Prophecy, even though confusing and even cryptic at times, is nonetheless definite. Without looking any further, the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is nothing more than that, and the prophecy argument is a dead issue here. So just how big a number is being spoken of with regard to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Could trillion be the general numerical range the comparative of the stars and grains of sand are here referring? While in biblical times we clearly know they had some reference for million as expressed in Revelation chapter 9 verse 16, billion or any other expression of billion was not even on the map. Remember, the Bible does not use million, but counts definite numbers in the millions if we do the correct math afforded by the expressions we are given in Scripture. Quoting source, Abraham was born with the name Abram in the Babylonian city of Ur. Today, Ur is located in modern-day Iraq. Estimates as to the era in which Abraham lived can vary from 2100 B.C. to 1800 B.C., sometime between 4100 years ago and 3800 years ago. From aboutbibleprophecy.com The word billion was first introduced in the 1500s A.D., not B.C. It was introduced in the 1500s A.D., Abraham's entire life is well before the word billion was introduced as a means of expressing a total number of anything. I think you can see the validity of the comparative given we have proven that their numerical expression only went into the millions in those days. Here is a quote on counting the stars. Today, the local Milky Way galaxy, of which our sun is a part, has been found to contain 200,000 million stars. What an astounding result! If somebody could count three stars per second after 100 years, he would have counted less than 5% of this number. Our galaxy comprises not only an unimaginable host of stars, but the size of this bright starry band in the sky is also astounding. Its diameter is said to be 100,000 light-years. 
Astronomical distances are too large to be measured in kilometers, so light years are used instead. One light year is the distance that a light ray travels in one year, at a speed of 300,000 kilometers, or 186,000 miles per second. It amounts to 9.46 million million kilometers, or 5.87 million million miles. Can we really grasp such an impressive size? And this is not the only galaxy. With the naked eye, we can see three more, namely the two clouds of Magellan near the southern celestial pole and the Andromeda galaxy in the constellation of the same name. The Andromeda galaxy is thought to be 2.25 million light-years from us. From AnswersInGenesis.org There it is. In just the earth-bound visible night sky, we are talking a number so large it is already inexpressible or countless. Only a comparative will help us understand. To say they are countless is an understatement, given what we have just read. This means, even today, with all our modern sophistication and tools, we are still hopeless to count the stars in our own visible night sky alone. Also, remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived at a time when there was zero light pollution. So their night sky was even more full with visible stars and planets that were then called wandering or wayward stars. Even with all our technology and man's sophistication with regard to science and mathematics, we still can only best estimate the number of stars and grains of sand on any one seashore. Given that understanding, if the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a prophecy, how would we ever be able to know when it was fulfilled? Quoting, Even using the best available evidence and methods, no one can credibly claim their answers to either estimate of stars or sand grains are even 20%, and 20% of a trillion stars or sand grains is an error of 2 Hundred billion. That's billion with a B as in boy. That's more than 10 magnitudes larger than a measuring error of one star or one grain of sand. What we can do instead is try to use reasonable methods, use the broadest range of assumptions, lowest and highest, and use the most credible methods available to get estimates for both sand grains and for star counts. There are very roughly 125 to 225 billion galaxies we can now detect in our visible universe, and there are very roughly 500 to 400 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. And compared to most spiral galaxies, our Milky Way is big, having an extra number of stars like our neighboring spiral galaxy, Andromeda. 
This estimate is confounded by at least two problems. Every time we look deeper into the universe, Hubble Deep Field and Extreme Deep Field images, we see another magnitude, sometimes several magnitudes, of galaxies. The multitude of nearly invisible, low-surface brightness galaxies, some of which are the largest galaxies we know of. The off-the-shelf estimate of 300 sextillion stars in our visible universe has the same two problems. Even though our Milky Way is rather large for its spiral type of galaxy, spiral galaxies have dramatically fewer stars than elliptical galaxies. From Cosmology Science by David Dilworth. I think it is very clear the number of stars in any age of man are countless as Genesis stipulated. So, maybe we can count grains of sand on a seashore. Please note, for our listeners outside the USA who have not visited, Carmel Beach is located in California, USA. David Dilworth, from Cosmology Science, measured Carmel Beach sand grains and determined even though all sand grains anywhere vary in size, that there is approximately 1,000 grains of sand per foot. That means there are 1 million grains of sand in one flat square foot. Now, add a vertical dimension for a cubic foot of sand, and the count is now approximately 1 billion grains of sand in one cubic foot. The number stipulated as countless in one cubic foot of sand is far larger than we previously determined as available in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, we said that any expression of the word we use, billion, was first introduced in the 1500s A.D. This means, at the earliest, we could have had need of the expression billion as early as 1000 A.D.E. Pushing it further back is highly unlikely. 1000 A.D.E. is well after the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ended. Sand on the seashore is much deeper than one foot. However, if we entertain the notion that sand on the seashore is only one foot deep, we are only standing on 30 cubic feet of seashore, then there is approximately 30 trillion grains of sand under our feet. So, looking at a normal seashore comprised of sand, the number again is countless, even for us today. Another question is, could the earth itself hold that many descendants at any one moment in time? I think the answer to that question is no. But is that number countless just the same? What if we try counting everyone ever born? Is that number countless? At this point, the answer to that question is a complicated no it is reasonably countable. The present world population is 7.5 billion people. 
This number has already changed significantly since the start of this podcast episode. So maybe the total number of people born is a better number for obtaining a number Genesis renders as countless. Quoting source. Our complicating factor is the pattern of population growth. Did it rise to some level and then fluctuate wildly in response to famines and changes in climate? Or did it grow at a consistent rate from one point to another? We cannot know the answers to these questions, although paleontologists have produced a variety of theories. For the purposes of this exercise, it was assumed that a constant growth rate applied to each period up to the modern times. Birth rates were set at 80 per 1,000 per year through 1 AD, and at 60 per 1,000 from 2 AD to 1750. Rates then declined to the low 30s by the modern period. The semi-scientific approach yields an estimate of about 108.4 billion births since the dawn of the modern human race. Clearly, the period 8000 BC to 1 AD is key to the magnitude of our number. But, unfortunately, little is known about the population size in that era. If we were to make any guess at all, it might be that our method underestimates the number of births to some degree. The assumption of constant population growth in the earlier period may underestimate the average population size at the time. And, of course, pushing the date of modern humanity's arrival on the planet before 50 BC would also raise the number although perhaps not by terribly much. From the Population Reference Bureau. We have another loose fact that refers to the total number of people ever born on planet Earth. It is here referenced as 108.4 billion births. By the admission of the Population Reference Bureau, this number is inaccurate and only a good estimate like the counting of the stars or counting grains of sand. Also, this number is significantly lower as we are only counting the descendants from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thousands, possibly tens of thousands of people at this point have already been born as we reach the period in Genesis chapter 12 when this promise was first made. This really pokes a huge hole in the notion this promise needs fulfilling before the return of Christ in the rapture or even his second coming. Here is a question I have never heard asked. What if Abraham's, Isaac's, and Jacob's countless descendants include others that could possibly be found only in heaven at a future date? A fact not in our possession meaning there is no definitive answer to that question in this lifetime. In quick summary, to this point, we use the stars and we cannot accurately count them here in modern times, honestly making them countless even today. The grains of sand on the seashore only exacerbates 
the inability to count, rendering that option countless as well. Even when counting the population of planet Earth, in an attempt to count the descendants alone not mentioned in Genesis, we are given a headache as well as only most recent modern numbers bear any degree of accuracy. The only accurate assumption we can make is, given billion was not introduced into man's language until 1500s A.D., today's Earth population count alone could well satisfy the countless claim in Genesis, since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob could not count that high in their day. Today's population numbers alone would have staggered the minds of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We should also take note that the parable of the sower and the seed indicates only a 25% dedicated conversion rate from sinner to favor of God and living a life in faith for God. That means our admittedly inaccurate total earth population of 108.4 billion people nets us an equally inaccurate and most likely low figure of 27.1 billion actual descendants. Remember, that many people were neither born or lived on earth at any one time in one age. Certainly, a countless number in the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, attempting to accurately count just the present number of descendants is more possible today, but not a perfect and accurate number by any means. In closing, some other brief observations. Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 said, Your descendants will take possession of the strongholds of their enemies. Genesis chapter 26 verse 4 said, I will give them all these lands. All the nations of the earth will pronounce blessings on one another using the name of your descendants. This promise is first found in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3 said, All the families of the earth will bless one another by your name. When, in either or both, biblical and secular history have any of these things occurred. Next week, did God contradict himself when he said concerning the eating of the forbidden fruit, if you eat of it, you will surely die? Adam went on to live for 930 years. What's up with that? It's well documented. Player download next week's episode titled, You Will Surely Die, from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, 
We truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titles, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website. It is a subdomain hosted at site123.com. That is S I T E 123.com. Our site link is unchurched.site123.me. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item. This year, we have decided to go with making Pinecast our primary host as we move away from Podomatic. For more information, listen to our year-end update for 2019. Until then, we will continue to post our podcast on our current primary host found at this short link, is.gd forward slash uppercase i k lowercase l uppercase y x lowercase s. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase Church of the Un-Churched to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. Please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, U.S. East Coast time. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore post all episodes on our backup post, www.podcasts.com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is www.podcasts.com or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.